At the center of the universe, at the border between the light and the dark, stands Castle Grayskull. For countless ages, the heroes of Grayskull have defended the universe against the forces of evil. Walk through the Hall of Living Pictures and learn the history and mystery of the masters of the universe. Dive deep into the mythology of Eternia, Etheria, and more. For those who know the stories of Grayskull will come to power. The power to be supreme. The power to be all-knowing. The power to be... Legends of Grayskull. And welcome to episode 38 of Legends of Grayskull, the fan podcast where we discuss the history, the mystery, the magic, and mythology of He-Man, She-Ra, Eternia, Etheria, Nordor, Primus, New Adventures, Old Adventures, Filmation, Netflix, Jetlag, Mike Young Productions, uh, comics, mini-comics, anything and everything you can think of with that He-Man, She-Ra, Master of the Universe, Princess of Power, that Mattel logo down there in the corner. I'm Matthew Duch. I'm here with Sean Skavarna. Sean, how are we doing today? Not too bad. Even though we had our little uh, session before we recorded, it's really not that bad of a day, to be honest. So how? I know, I know you <laughs> you had a little bit of a it's been a day life not, kicking you. Yeah, you you've had a little <laughs> bit of a day, so we won't go there. But we're not going it's not there. Not too bad. We're here to talk some masters. We got some floppy DC comics we're going to talk about today. Everything's going to be great. So, mm-hmm. uh, so first off, uh, any new news you got, Sean? Mm, I know a uh, friend of the show, Matthew Rodriguez, uh, his wife posted a new YouTube video. This time she's going over He-Man and Skeletor, which was pretty fun. And I, I gotta say, I like that she's continuing it. I'm not gonna lie. It's it's uh, it's fun to see somebody that she might not have grown up on this stuff, but she's appreciating things about what we're getting now and showing off what she does like. And she, I, I really appreciated that, even though she is quite nice and she doesn't try to really say too many negative things. She even gave Mattel a bit of a. <laughs> jive about the fact that they only have one mini comic for the whole freaking first wave and i, I actually gave her a comment saying thank you i appreciated <laughs> that you didn't pull punches there that was great so absolutely no they're good stuff go check her out rachel rodriguez and we'll, yes we'll post another link down below um yeah on that line i want to give a shout out uh to mr james etock they are, uh, him, uh, Adam Moore, and Andrew Kramer are really knocking out of the park with Master of the Universe 85. Uh, they've got three pages out now. The fourth page will be out tomorrow. Um, mm-hmm. And and he, uh, spoiler alerts for those of you who haven't watched it yet or read the comic yet. Uh, skip about two minutes ahead. But he's also created a little video that I shared on the Legends of Grayskull page and various other places, search James E. Talk, but actually explaining who this Desira is that has popped up on page three. So 
mm-hmm. check that out if you haven't already. It's very informative and a nice behind the scenes uh, of filmation and their process, which she does. I will say that she comes from filmation uh, indirectly. So check there's that, out. that. Check out the comic there. It's it, it's amazing. It's everything you ever wanted in a He-Man comic. So yes, but at, I. I didn't know Adam Moore's stuff until this, and once I started seeing it, I'm like, "Well, yeah, why would he not be doing this book? This is this is like, uh, it, it's it's what I needed because there's no unfortunately Alfredo Alcala is no longer with us, and uh, Mark Tegzera hasn't touched Masters in quite a while, even, and I really enjoyed his take on it back in the day. Yeah. So it's like, you know, Adam Moore's bringing that old school flavor that I really love. And uh, I love that they're just going with the heart of these characters. Mm-hmm. I like that he's not trying to go, okay, this is going to be a filmation book and it's going to look filmation. Mm-hmm. I love that it's just, no, let's just do like a comic and let's just make it Masters of the Universe the way that everybody has been waiting to have it written. So this is... Yeah. Yeah, this is proof that the fan community is quite strong. We oh, have the power absolutely. and all that. Yes. So. Um and and the the amazing thing about it is is that he's not really trying to ape anybody's style. Um which is what makes it so great because it, it's clearly influenced by some different versions of the character. Yeah. But it it is Adam's style, you know, and Andrew's mm-hmm. knocking it out with the colors and James is knocking it out uh, with the script, so uh, so far, great book. Uh, a few pages yep. in, but it's I, I can't wait to see where it goes. So, uh, and we yeah. will review it here on the show. We'll let them get a little little further ahead than three pages. So, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, they... yeah. Go ahead. Oh, uh, he he said he was going to release page four tomorrow, and then I think if I remember right, next week he's going to do a double dose for us. Five and six are going to hit then, and so Smash that'll be page. okay. Well, that'll work anyway. I don't care. Five and six is still going to work. So yeah, um, yeah. five and six. So yeah, I'm, nice I'm digging. Splash, so. Yeah, and and what I like is each week now I have something to look forward to. You know, yeah. in that way because there's not like. The quarantine has basically sapped a lot of people's like uh, there's every day is the same and stuff. And it's like seeing that post now, it, it's it's like awesome. There's something new to look forward to every Friday out of uh, out of masters that I don't know. And that's that's really sweet. So, yeah, exactly. thank you, James. Thank you, Adam. And thank you, Andrew. That's thank you for letting Sean know when Friday is because before he was just kind of shuffling. Uh, so I, like, it, well, that there's was a new page today, it, so it's, it's Friday. It, it must be Friday. <laughs> I didn't know my days of the week until the last couple of weeks. Did you know that? I mean, it's crazy. It's nuts. Right. So, <laughs> oh, and uh, one other thing, uh, since we're talking news, is uh, I think it was just yesterday, uh, Yuka. And that's how I found out about it, at least, a uh, friend of the show, Yuka. Uh, you, you said it's Isaac Kanan, if I remember oh, right, but for the last it, Hang on. Is a Kanan, I believe. Is a Kanan? Okay. still butchering and, that, but that's closer than what I did originally. <laughs> so. I'm sorry, Yuka, one way or the other. Yuka. Because <laughs> uh, I don't know anyone else named Yuka. Yuka. It's just um, Yuka. Two Yuka. He, 
he posted that now on top of this Legends of Grayskull tabletop game that they're going to do, the RPG, now there is there's a, a... And there's a Command game. Command's got a board game, too. So. Well, there also now is a, yeah. is that what the one you're talking about? Or no, there's, are we talking there's about something? A, a, another one besides those two now. So there's Legends the of heck? <laughs> Legends of Grayskull Tabletop <laughs> RPG. Come on uh-huh. is coming out with a board game that's hasn't been announced at title yet. And now, go ahead. There is some uh, new uh, another board game coming out. And that one, I don't know. Like, I don't know as much as I want to for actually talking about it right now. <laughs> but I saw the yeah. the cover of it was the uh, the the spread cover of one of the DC yes. newer miniseries when issue... they tried to relaunch Masters. I think it's issue three or four. No, it was issue cover? six of the miniseries. That Amnesia storyline. It was the final issue of that one. But just so that's part the of cover, it. yeah. Um, by Dave, art by Dave Wilkins. So Dave he's Wilkins, the one who did yes. the cover, um, and it's called um, Fields of Eternia, and it's going to be another tabletop RPG game. It's going to come with <laughs> miniatures, but this is only available in Europe. So that's oh. that's the difference. So Legends of Grayskull tabletop RPG is licensed in the Americas and Asia. And Mm. Fields of Eternia is only in Europe. And yes, they're sticking to that because I tried pre-ordering. They have a battle He-Man on Battlecat exclusive miniature up for pre-order right now, and it would Mm. not let me do it. So (laughs) so this one's going to be exclusive. But this seems more like... um, it's more like a tabletop RPG board game from what I'm looking at. More like, uh, you probably won't know them, but D&D did do uh, some board games aside from their RPG stuff where it's like it's self-contained and you have a game board and miniatures and like character cards. And just from the little I've gathered, that sounds more like what this is. So kind of like an RPG light sort of thing. Okay. Um, so yeah, so... It's, it's, and then Come On has their board game, which we don't even know what that's going to be. It's the first one announced, and yet we know the least about it. So it's probably oh. based on Revelation. That's probably why they're not saying anything. So possibly, yeah. Oh my God. I mean, they, yes, there is a ton of stuff coming out right now. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. But yeah, and, and I tried getting Yuka to pin down exactly what he did on it, and he's not ready to quite reveal that yet. So. But yeah, art yeah. by Dave Wilkins, uh, and I'm really curious to see how it plays and uh, try and find a way to smuggle it into the states here. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I. It, it's like uh, when we had Matthew Rodriguez on the show the other week. I mean, he was like, "I wonder how many companies have the license for Masters," and now it's like this stuff coming out of the woodwork is only making that list longer, and. Yep. I, well, I, it, that's the thing. It's kind of cool, though, that if they're not doing Legends of Grayskull tabletop game, RPG, right. CMYK, RGB, everything, whatever, <laughs> just to keep them away from our Legends of Grayskull <laughs> podcast, yes. um, it, you know, it is kind of cool that they're filling in that gap that isn't able to have their game by having this other game coming out and all that right. stuff. So that's, you know, I don't, I don't 
begrudge them that at all. I think that's actually really nice to fill in that that void for those yeah, fans. So. Yeah, I like that. I like that they're taking chances that Mattel's allowing this stuff to be licensed again. You know, I mean, it's, I'm not going to kick the dead horse, but I will hit him a couple times. But. Uh, <laughs> You know, back in 2000X, we were clamoring for this kind of stuff, and they just refused to let anyone else dabble in it. It had to be them or nothing, and they, you know, Mattel doesn't have, you know, much of a board game division. They have card games, they do lots of card games, but, but yeah, just like, man, back then we, were, we all wanted this stuff, and they wouldn't do any of it, and now it's good to see that at least they're learning from those mistakes, and they're, you know... Mm-hmm. And they're moving We're forward. Not dead. They're, try- they're trying to get stuff out there this time, and they're allowing yeah. other companies to put stuff out there. Uh, well, it's, it, it's like we're not dead, so we can actually see these things that we've <laughs> always wanted finally right. hitting the shelves in one way, shape, or form. Because, you know, like there, there was a point after 2000X ended, and I was still like re watching them on YouTube and all that stuff. And I kept thinking to myself, I think that's my swan song on this. Like, I, right. I don't think we're going to ever see a day where He-Man's going to come back, especially if that line didn't do it, because I felt like that line was really them going for here. We're, we're, we're updating things. It's a reboot, to, you know, reboot of sorts, up, upgrading it and all this kind of stuff. And if that didn't work, you know, like <laughs> my defeatist right. attitude at the time, but. I mean, it took them 20 years almost, but here we are. We finally got to that point, and I was alive to see it. So there we go. No, I'm looking forward to it. And, uh, yeah, any of you European listeners out there, uh, hit me up. Let's see if we can get a battle cat <laughs> ordered up here, right? There you go. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so let's, uh, let's jump right into our review this time. Uh, my apologies, fans, but there will be... No remastering this week. Um, just life. <laughs> just life. There was not for both of us. It's yeah. not just you. I, we'll put it on each other at this point because it this was, week it has definitely just... been a grinder for both of us. Yes, <laughs> it was. It was. It was either we do a show without remastering and we can just talk about some stuff, or we just don't do a show. We don't want to leave you guys hanging. <laughs> the the consistency is what matters, but the remastering definitely is it, the the remastering is at least a day or two worth of us getting oh, yeah. a chance to think about something versus let's just do it really fast on the spot and see what happens because that's just nah not a good idea. Before we knew it, half this week was gone, and we're sitting there going, "Hey, we should probably come up with something for this week." Huh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and. And we came up with uh, not going to the miniseries that introduced uh, Masters back with DC. We're going to the ongoing series, as Matt is showing us right now. With yeah, I got the, uh, does, yep, the, the three that he has, and then the rest were on Comixology, and I got yes. my ridiculous size omnibus <laughs> that I'm trying to... That's why I pulled over a chair and I've got my feet up now because it's like if I gotta hold this the whole dang time, I'm just doing it this way. Uh, but we're going to uh, the first issues of that, the Despara storyline, yes. and revisiting some stuff. So 
this ought to be fun because honestly, I haven't talked shop about this yet with a yeah. lot of people. I think we've hinted at it even talking, but we didn't really get into the meat and potatoes on this one. No, especially not this early series because while it, it, it this ongoing here, the Horde invasion and the Despara storyline, this is for me where I start going, okay, maybe there might be something here. But it still was until uh, Eternity War when it really got like, for me, it's like, okay, now I'm invested. So this was coming, this here was coming off of that horrid six issue miniseries uh, where everyone had amnesia. Uh, mm-hmm. And that left a bad taste in everyone's mouth. And then they followed it up with all those, like, one-shot, like, origin of Hordax, origin of Skeletor, origin of He-Man, which also are very subpar, even though they did set up some stuff that we'll see in this ongoing and in some of their stuff to come. But they still were not very good on their own. So... Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was just, it was kind of a weird time, and we're talking, uh, this six issues were published between, um, June of 2013 and November of 2013, so, uh, you know, Classics was going strong, there, you know, there wasn't really much else, and I remember when, when it was just announced that DC was doing the miniseries, I was so excited I am the story guy and I'm like yes new comics like what could be better and then it kind of that first kind of fell flat and and we all figured it was done after that like that miniseries came and it wasn't the greatest and everyone was just kind of like okay that was a good experiment and then all of a sudden they're like nope we're doing an ongoing and this ongoing ended up going I want to say yeah, what was it? it was 20, 20 some issues, wasn't it? Or twenty? I feel like it. Yeah, it was close to two years. If it wasn't already two years, uh, and nineteen, nineteen issues. This ongoing nineteen issues. All right, so um, you're in a half. You, but you also had the, even though it was concurrent, you did have uh, the uh, the Justice League uh, Masters of the Universe crossover in there. So that was another yes. six issues. So, but yeah, a solid year and a half this one went. The miniseries went half a year, and then Eternity War was another year and a half. So, I mean, it it ended up spawning a good three years of storyline. And I think mm-hmm. it kept going, but we'll get there eventually. But the, I still, just uh, just talking about the, the miniseries, just really quickly. And, and yeah. we'll get to that at some point, one way or the other, either talking about it and reviewing it or remastering it uh, on the show sometime. Absolutely. But that's one of those series where I, I'm i very curious to know the history of the behind-the-scenes, what was happening oh, was to develop that book. Because I know James Robinson, uh, he was a writer at DC Comics. He created Star... Uh, well, he, he re-envisioned Starman and made a new Starman, and that was like a huge deal... And he also, he did a few other things uh, with comics. I know Starman is the one I remember the easiest. Oh, James Robinson. Oh, he did that. Yeah. Um, 
and he was the uh, the the writer for issue one. Yeah. And then issue two came out, and he's not the writer anymore. Right. And all of a sudden, it, I, I think they had Keith Geffen doing the yeah, book, I think, if I remember I think right. Keith, I think Keith took over like right after him, and he continued on into the ongoing here. So. I just, I always have been curious, like, okay, was this really, did, did James Robinson have this whole thing, you know, figured out? He had the plot or whatever. Keith jumped in and did the best he could to, you know, compile whatever it was from his notes. And DC just went with it or did, because now Rob David is more involved in this than that, if I understood correctly. And I'm just... There's a, there's a whole history behind that where it's like that was such a cluster that I'd really love to be a fly on the wall to find yeah. out what happened to make that one what it what it is to the fans and makes them go yeah avoid that at all costs just start with what we're talking about tonight yeah, so I, I mean it happens artists switch writers switch but one issue of a writer is hardly ever heard of in my opinion that's just right. You don't hear about a writer just leaving the book after a first issue. And the way most the times. way it was presented at the time, I recall, um, I you know who knows if this is accurate or if this is just what's been there, but but from what I understand, uh, Robus uh, Robinson did plot the first miniseries, um, mm-hmm. but then DC end up I think basically stepping in and going like, oh wait a minute, we didn't realize how off the rails you're going. And then Giffen was coming to be like, well, we've got this kind of planned out, and you get almost like a remastering. Like, yeah, here's the structure, but make the individual issues better and keep rein it in, rein yeah. it in. <laughs> yeah, and it, it, so it was one... kind of a it was kind of a mess, uh, as yeah. in he had to stick to it, but it wasn't quite there. Um, here in the ongoing, he's his voice is that de- you can tell that it's a little more planned out. Uh, yes, you got uh, Pop Man is doing uh, the majority of of the uh, art. Uh, Axel Jimenez will come in towards the latter half of the run and help out, but uh, and I, I can't remember exactly where Pop came in in the first series, but I think it was the same thing. I think Pop Man it came in. During that he first can't. miniseries, like kind of halfway through, so I, I want to say he probably was at least the last two issues, yeah. if I remember right, and I maybe he even filled in a little bit because it was originally by uh, Philip Tan did the artwork. Yes, that's who it was. Thank you. And and then it, as it went along, it felt like they were trying to just disown everything from those first couple issues, yep. and this it led into what we're about to talk about. But yeah, it, it to me it's like. The whole it's a car crash, but you kind of just can't look away. Like, what the heck did they try to do here? And you're trying That's to decipher it. it. But then you get to this, and uh, like my first, my first uh, instincts reading it because it's been a while since I've actually looked at these pages and read it, um, yep. especially for the story arc. Again, it's it's the craziest thing. Like this, I let's see if I if I either. Um, Go come back later on after Revelation hits and see if I'm right or not. But I yeah. honestly think the way this feels is going to be similar to what we're going to see in Revelation when that hits, possibly. Well, I, I feel like there, there's a darkness to it, but I also feel 
there's that banter that Marvel does that everybody keeps saying that has to be something because there's the comedic banter between characters. And that usually is filled up with Adam and Tila most of the time in these in these pages. And I'm just yeah, I think this is going to be a very good indication. If you haven't read it so far, folks, take a look at these issues. I think this is going to be at least a hint of what we're going to get on that series when it, when it finally airs on Netflix. I, d- I just hope it's at least good banter because a lot of times this is not good banter right here. Unfortunately, there is some good stuff, but for the most part, they're just, they're, they're a little too crass and a little too earthly for my liking, which is always a problem in writing these characters. There are lots of people struggle with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but real quick, for those who don't remember the arc and don't feel like digging out their comics, basically this first arc here is uh, it starts at the Royal Palace. The, the Masters and uh, King Randor, they've retaken Eternos and everything's back in its rightful place where, you know, after Skeletor messed everything up with the Amnesia storyline. So they they are actually holding a funeral for the sorceress who was killed by Skeletor during the miniseries. And while they're distracted with their grief, uh, Hordak finally takes this opportunity to send his forces to conquer. And they teleport in all around the planet and just immediately overwhelm. Uh, it's, it is the evil horde. They are everywhere at once. Yeah. Uh, they start... they. <laughs> Like Sean said, they're dark. They're doing things like uh, uh, killing civilians to force surrender. The old, I'm going to kill a civilian every five minutes until you guys give up, you know. So yeah. uh, the the masters of the universe are forced to, you know, fall back to Grayskull. They surrender. I mean, within a day, all the major cities around the globe are taken over by the Horde. All the heroes converge on Grayskull. Uh and and try and plan their retaliation at the same time they're getting they're getting uh egged on by Despara, who throughout the course of events they come to find out is actually Adora, uh, Adam's long lost twin sister, and uh she ends up taking Tila as hostage. Adam finds the forge of Grayskull and reforges his sword to get new armor and more power. And it it all culminates in in a full on horde attack on Grayskull, uh, Adora's secret past coming to light, and eventually actually Hordak conquering Grayskull and taking it over as part of his fright zone, and then it it ends with the Masters in exile. So, um, so that, that's a basic summary. Now let's dig into some stuff. First off, for me. Right off the bat, course correction, they made Tila a redhead again. They handled it very <laughs> poorly in the dialogue, but they made Tila a redhead again. So I'll give it to them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, uh, I don't know the the whole the whole thing between her and Adam and all. I mean, man, I know there are people out there that say in two thousand X she was really tough to take because she could really lay it thick. But this, this is, version is like, this is, this is the 
extreme Tila in that way because, man, does she just – I can't think of many word balloons that they don't at least make me go like, you had to be that guy right now, you know, right. like. It just always seems to be anything that somebody says to her, she's ready to, like, beat the crap out of them for yep. everything. No, this is – anyone who's got a problem with 2000X, Tila, do not read this storyline because she will drive you absolutely nuts. Because even when people are being nice to her, she's lashing out. It's like they – I get what they were going for, but, yes, they went too far. Way too yeah. far. Take it back. Dial it back. Um, well I- – I, I will say one of the moments that I actually really liked out of it, though, because of how hard that they made her, mm-hmm. was the moment between Neck and Neck and Man at Arms after Tila is is taken prisoner, though. Yeah, yeah. That was one of those moments where it's like it's just one page of the two of them talking and Man at Arms is uh, – uh, the Horde takes Tila and, right. and He-Man wants to do everything he can to go and, and rescue her. And King Randor flat out says, no, it's a royal decree. You're not going after right. her. It, it, we'll find another way. And you're to stay with us. We need you here. And, you know, he, he's trying to teach Adam a lesson. It's the whole, you know, well, so you're going to have to make hard decisions when you're king. And Adam's right. like, well, screw this. And I like that, too. Yeah. But um, then uh, Man-at-Arms and Mechanek have this little moment where they're talking and man at arms is worried about her and you know he's he's constantly are they showing her body you know hopefully she's still alive yep and then mechanic talks about how you know he the whole story tila is constantly talking all that he does is raise his neck oh my god pointless he's stupid it's horrible. It's, it's horrible. It's actually really really bad oh that was it it, it doesn't help that character yeah. And it's like, you know, if you want to if you want to pick a character to do someone something like that, too, of course, you're going to aim at him. And for me, I'm like, I don't personally have that opinion of Mechanic. I never disliked him. But uh, they have this really nice moment where he's like, yeah, you know, she, uh, Tila can be hard to take. But when I was a kid, mm-hmm. you know, she she basically told everybody I'm her boyfriend and anybody who said anything bad about me had to answer to her. And suddenly Everybody was nice to me. And Man at Arms was like, my Tila? Yay, hi. You know, red hair. And he's like, yeah. And then he he says, you know, but he doesn't, she doesn't speak really highly of you. And he's like, well, that's the price I have to pay. You know, I, she can treat me like that all she wants, but I know she's my friend. I kind of dug that whole little moment. It was this nice little personal story he was telling. So No, and I, I liked, I did like that moment. That's good. But the fact that she spent, like, and when it <sighs> I guess when it was also bothered me. It's like, okay, so we just lost Eternos. We're all forced into Castle Grayskull. We're reeling from the losses. They say right out that that, that some of the heroes died. They said if they're yeah. not here, they didn't make it, you know. And uh, so we're actually losing lives. There are casualties of war. And she's getting healed. And she's sitting there complaining because Mechanic survived and... Other people didn't, you know, it's, yeah, just, it's so yeah. out of place. She's the captain of the guard. Like she should not be, she wouldn't be talking like this, especially right now when it's all hands hey. on deck, you know, Agreed. And they, they make a, they make a stink or they make fun of stink or they make a, a fisto joke throughout it. It was, it was, it was those moments where I'm like, guys, you actually have a decent story here. Don't ruin it with taking these pot shots 
like mm-hmm. like your uh, like your uh, YouTube, you know, five second account. You know, that's yeah, you're better yeah. Than the this. clickbait people. Yeah, you're better than this. Yeah, and I honestly though the thing like it getting away from Tila being who she because yeah, I, I agree completely. Like even on filmation, if this was happening on filmation she would have been the one who I think there would have been a lot more empathy from her. I think she would have been the one who probably if she found out, you know, Oh, Manny faces didn't make it or something. She would have probably taken a moment and probably, you know, it it would have been like, you know, Duncan coming up to her and being like, we have to, we have to fight for those that we've lost or something. And having one of those moments. And instead it's like, everybody is just hearing her be bratty and Mm. all this stuff, which, I, I will say, like, she, up until a certain point in this story, she's one that I'm like, yeah, I don't mind that she's there because she's Tila, but I don't want her to talk, basically, <laughs> or, or give her different dialogue, right. at least, because everything is making her complain, everything's making her be that person, but, I mean, honestly, we do, I, I mean, I, I gotta say, one of my favorite things about this uh, comic is the fact that Despara is a yes. thing. Uh, out of out of any of the DC touches they did to this, whether you like He Man in the new suit, the new power sword, uh, the the uh, you know all of that stuff, Despara for me is is like head and shoulders something that it's. I I didn't know I needed this until I read it. And I'm like, this is the way I wanted I wanted Secret of the Sword to be when I was a kid. I just right. didn't know it until I read this <laughs> this comic. No, that's exactly it. the Despar. I mean, you know me. I've always wanted them to be able to explore the dark side of Force Captain Adora, and they did it in spades in this. They, oh, yeah. you know, they created the Despar personality where she wears the mask to look like Hordak, and. She's a killing machine. That's all she's been raised for. She's been raised to conquer, mm-hmm. to lead his forces, and to take over these planets. And she does with chilling efficiency. You know, it's uh, mm-hmm. it's just it's 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 wonderful to see. She has she shows no mercy. She jumps right in, attacks He Man, attacks Tila. You know, lead leads all of the horde forces, and, and she's competent. I mean, she successfully, she succeeds. <laughs> I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, the Horde wins here. And that's what's great about this. And this is how I like to see the Horde. You know, they should be this overwhelming force. That's the difference between Skeletor and his evil warriors and the Horde. And that there needs to be. It can't just be carbon copies. They need their little differences. And Hordak's basic plan is just, I get as many troops as I can, and I just overwhelm. It is a horde. It is just, mm-hmm. I mean, this this cover right here shows it, them outside of Grayskull. They are just, uh, mil- you know, millions of, of warships and troopers and everything, and that's their whole strategy. They only have to be good at fighting. They're just, they're just sitting there waiting uh, to overwhelm. I... There's a couple points throughout the story where different characters are talking. Uh, I know Mechanek and Man Arms is one of them. King Grandor is in there. And they're basically just saying, like, they know they have us outnumbered. They know they can take this castle at any time. And they're just sitting waiting for the kill order. You know? Mm-hmm. 
And as all our heroic warriors are just sitting there contemplating their deaths, basically, and that they're going to go down fighting. I mean, this this is what you wanted to see as a kid, is Mm -hmm. this no way out odds. And there is no way out, because they don't win. At the end of issue six, there is no magical, oh, good, we found a spell to, you know, banish them, or, ooh, we pulled that out in the nick of time. No, they lose. They get their butts handed to them over yeah, and over like, again. This, this version of, uh, I mean, I, I, do, I do consider it as, like, the homage to Secret of the Sword, because the oh, underlying yeah. plot is the movie, but it's done in a much more dark yeah. and sinister way with how the, the, the overall, they're, like they're doing adult themes in here versus the filmation being for children version of it. And, um, I, I, this, this book for me is the equivalent. I think of like when I was a kid, you would watch transformers on Saturday mornings. Mm-hmm. Nobody would get hurt. Nobody would get shot. The, the, the laser bolts would just fly by and they'd hit the wall or the ground. And then all of a sudden you go to the movie theater in, <laughs> in August of 1986, yep. like I did at seven <laughs> years old. And all of a sudden you're seeing like RC pulling in the wreckage of Wheeljack and, and Windcharger. You're seeing Prowl getting shot right through the chest and his eyes dimming and the smoke mm. coming out of his mouth. This is this version of Masters. Right. And this is the story it needed to be the way that I wanted it to see it when I was a kid. Because the the idea of the Horde and the idea of what they did to Adora is something that to me is so much darker than what they covered. And I oh, like absolutely. in this, too, that, you know, you do have the redemption arc beginning for Adora. And I like that that's like up until a certain point in the book, she doesn't even recognize that name i like that despara is what she's answering to throughout and then finally adora is the name that it's like it all clicks for her and that's almost the equivalent of when he-man gave uh, you know she picks up the the uh, sword of protection uh in the in the movie it's like adora is like that name that clicks in finally and and everything but i i just i love that I never, I never understood the way that they did Adora in Secret of the Sword because this is how I think it would have been, uh, like the whole her dressing up with the battle armor. But on top of that, Hordak being who Hordak is, he's got everybody with the the uh, Horde logo. Yep. Now, all of his, all of his lieutenants, all of the Horde members have the Horde logo in one way or the other. But she's his daughter. And what is she going to look like? She's going to look like daddy. And daddy's face is going to be what everybody sees when they conquer them. And the the person, I, I think, um, it's actually in the back of the book here. Let me let me grab it real quick. It's Gabriel Della Toro, I want to say. Uh, it's coming up here real quick. Hang on. Yeah, he did uh, yeah story, Gabriel right? uh, Della Torre. Uh, he was the one to come up with the initial uh, design for her. Right. Uh, he he worked with uh, Rob David, if I remember right, to do this book, and he he threw that at him like, okay, let's do this where you have Despara, and she's going to look like that. And I mean, that was a huge win for me out of out of this book in general. I, I mean, like 
the master stuff is still fun. I like oh, it because yeah. you're seeing them in a whole different way. You're seeing them where the the odds are stacked against them, and I love that. Anytime my heroes are in these positions, big fan. But yeah. that for me is like yes, Despara, love it. No, exactly, and and I like. I like the slow burn for the origin story here. At the end of this, you know, uh, Adora doesn't just join the good guys and they ride off in the sunset and she raises a sword aloft. She's got a journey to go on of her own before she's even close to ready for that. Um, mm-hmm. And and I like that. I like that they really took the time here to get that story out. It's what I've said for years. It needs it needs to be a longer story. It needs to be something that she earns rather than just okay. Now we forgive you for everything that's come before. And even at the end there with them ta- with them talking with you know Adam and King Randor knowing the knowing that she is related to them. Um, they're still, they're still a little hesitant. They're still, I mean, they're talking about her better than they were, obviously, but they're not, they they don't sound completely convinced that she even can be on their side yet, you know? <laughs> I, I like how uh, He-Man says to Randa, well, she doesn't have the kill order out on me, so I guess that's something, you know? Right. Like, it, it's, it, we're going we're gonna to take the best that we can in this situation. She doesn't want to kill me anymore, at least. Right. And that and that's it. That's the best situation. And uh, no, it's a, it's a great storyline. It's a great design. It's nice to see her come and question the the authority of Hordak and how you know Tila points out that some things don't line up. You say you're the daughter of Hordak. Hordak's you know thousands of years old. Uh, he's not even a human. You're obviously human. And all those little things start to pick up there and. Uh, one thing I'm still undecided about about the whole thing is how they involve Tila into Adora's origin. And I still, I, I, it didn't sit quite right with me when I first read it. And even reading it today, I'm still, I'm still split on it. Like, I don't, I don't think it necessarily adds as much as they seem to think it was going to, you know? Uh... As far as they 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 made it so where Shadow Weaver raised Adora as her daughter, which I mean is pretty consistent, even though here Shadow Weaver is a lot more motherly and less uh, uh, less evil, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I don't care for that either. I th- uh, Shadow Weaver needs to be the master manipulator who just if she's nice to you, it's just because she's trying to get her way, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, as far as the Tila thing, it's uh, Shadow Weaver allowed Adora to visit the royal palace in the garden as long as no one saw her, like as as kind of a, a like astral projection type of thing. And but Tila did end up seeing her and originally initially scared her away, but then Adora and Tila end up becoming friends who would hang out in the garden when no one else was around. Uh, and then eventually Adora got older and stopped showing up, and so Tila just uh, wrote her off as, that was my imaginary friend. But it turns out that Shadow Weaver was actually letting her come back home. Mm-hmm. 
And I don't know. It's it's still that part still doesn't sit right with me. There's just there's something about like if if you're I guess because Shadow Weaver shouldn't be that motherly to me. That's probably my big problem with it. If you're to me, Shadow Weaver is indoctrinated her into the horde. There'd be no purpose for her to show her a home that she doesn't remember because she was stolen as a baby. You know, so yeah, I could see the point to that. I. I kind of viewed it from, again, Tila is not easy to take in this book. Mm. And that was one of those moments, again, like instead of somebody talking about it and telling a story of, oh, well, while I was growing up, we got to see a moment where here's Tila meeting somebody that she got along with. And the two of them had that little bonding between them and, it's like she wouldn't share that with anybody else because she, again, that's my imaginary friend. She didn't right. show up after a while and all that kind of stuff. And I liked it for the fact that it, I, I thought it was cool to go, okay, you you have Adora being able to see a little glimpse of maybe where she came from and not really maybe going, this is where you come from, but the idea yeah. that, you know, they, they had it like Shadow Weaver is like, oh, what do good girls get? Good girls get to the, go to the garden and they get to spend time with their friend or whatever. And yeah. she has that scene. So I looked at it from, a, you know, depending what they're doing to indoctrinate her at that point, you know, I kind of was like, all right. So they're letting her have that like, you know, vacation or whatever. And she's getting to do that. And maybe she doesn't know where she's going but there's this little girl there and she gets to be a little girl again for a little while. So from that perspective, you know, it worked for me more than I expected it to. It worked for me better than the way they did it on the Shira show, the new, the (laughs) new uh, Netflix one, because at least with this, what, what I thought was really cool is they do take some time in the middle of this story arc where once Tila is captured, they have a back and forth between uh, her and Adora and, you know, Adora's got her in the cage and all this stuff. And, uh, you know, she's behind bars. She also got stabbed yeah. on top of that. You know, they, like she's making the horde healers make it excruciating for her to be alive leading up to her death. And she wants her to take days to die after she's uh, stabbed her and yeah. all this. And, and uh, basically, it gives them a bit of like a power play in that part. And it, it's kind of I think they did it mostly for the fact that that whole that whole part of the story, it wouldn't have mattered maybe as much without having a little bit more of a history between them and having Tila doing that whole you used to be my friend, but now we're enemies kind of a thing. It would still work without it i i I would i'm not gonna say it it works only using it the way it is but i feel like there is something to humanize tila in that moment at least yeah yeah no and i agree i know what they were i agree that's what they were going for just for me personally it, it didn't quite stick the landing and i think mostly it boils down to the fact that shadow weaver from this point on just is not is not evil, you know, if she's not evil at all here, she sides with Adora, she gets killed by Hordak, um, we'll find out later, too, about, you know, about everything she's gone through with Skeletor and everything else, and, 
don't know, for, for just growing up, like, Shadow Weaver was, like, just the most evil witch you could imagine. And ever since then, she's just become, like, this, this, uh, this poor adopted mother figure, you know? So. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, there, uh, it's a minor nitpick, but. Well, I, I could see it I done either that's way. Where it goes to. For me, I, I could... just Shadow Weaver has to be evil. Well, I could see it done either way because, like, I do agree with why would they keep letting her go to a place? Like, number one, why if if she's supposed to be the the one who's with Adora and yeah. and the quote unquote mother to Adora in that yeah. way, you know, like there is a certain amount of if I was Horde, I could be like, no, you're keeping her in the fright zone. All right. We're not doing it like, but that's how filmation did it. Right. They like the only people who knew that Adora was captured when she was a baby were like a very select group of people. And they kept it to themselves all the way up until the sword started calling out for Adora in the, in the movie. So, you know, in that way, it's like, it's, it's like, do, do we have it where it's this dirty little secret within the, the adults like yeah. how they did it in the secret of the sword, or do we have it where, you know, there, there is some sort of a connection to the people she's going to meet and eventually become her comrades. And I don't know, for me, I, I like it for certain things it does, but I can also, I, I'm not going to say I disagree that it, it doesn't, it isn't, it, it it's unnecessary. It, how am I trying to say it? I'm not <laughs> going to disagree that it is kind of unnecessary to do that because having Tila see this warrior woman come into her world and attack them that way, that should be more than enough for her to want to just be gunning for this woman to begin with. I mean, even the fight scene when they first meet her, she's like telling him, just run her through. And he is like, no, I'm not going to do, she's like, pretend he's, she's a man and just kill him for Christ. You know, I kind of dig that where, you know, she's all actions and, you know, we're not going to talk about this. These people are here. Let's just kick their butts, you know. Exactly. Um, so leading off of that, uh, Sorceress, we find out, is not quite as dead as probably Skeletor would have liked. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is around as in her Zor form and helps lead He-Man to the Forge and uh, helps Adora kind of... Uh, See what see what the world as it really is, and I actually really dug that. Uh, this whole series is kind of about you know handing the torch off and you know going to the next generation. Like we said, they experience loss. Uh, spoiler alerts if you haven't read this, you know now seven year old comic. Uh, you know <laughs> they'll they'll end up losing King Randor and Man at Arms along the way and. Basically, this whole story starting now is, you know, how does the next generation take over? What trials and tribulations will they have to take over? What kind of, what sacrifice do they have to make to become the people to save the world? As all of their fail-safes are getting taken away, you know, they lose the sorceress, they lose King Randor, they lose Man-in-Arms. Now, Mossman, you know, sorry, Matthew, Rodriguez. (laughs) He ended yeah. up giving up his life. And it ju- it's just... But it's nice that they they Mufasa'd her in a way where it's like she can still reach out from beyond the veil and help 
and guide them even now. So that it's it's comforting. Well, there's there's a line in this that when when I read it today, it it hit me right where I lived because this the the interpretation they have of the sorceress being Zor mm-hmm. and her explaining what that means was like this is exactly how I always viewed Grayskull. This is exactly why Grayskull it was both a, a source of power but scary as hell to me when I was a kid. And, and it's I, I found the line. Um, basically, this is when the sorceress reveals herself. She's in Zor and she's meeting He Man, and and He Man's like sorceress, but you're you're. And she she says, Grayskull is a cruel master. To die within its walls is to be devoured. That made my day because I love the idea. Here is this person who was keeping the power. She was, she was one of the strongest uh, wielders of magic on Eternia. And now that she's dead, she can't even die. That right. is just, that's spooky and mysterious. And I love it because Grayskull, I feel like there is something missing to the, the mystery of Grayskull sometimes. And this is one of those things, just that line was enough for me to go, thank you. Like, I right. love that it's just the castle is not letting me die. I, I Like, I have a mission to still accomplish right. here. Because and even if my physical form's gone, I'm still here. We got to do this, you know? Right, because everything, you know, everything in these comics and everything in this sorceress's lineage, lineage is all leading to this prophecy of the Twins of Power. Mm-hmm. And and it's all culminating here with Adora coming back to Eternia with the Horde invading. You know, we'll get into it more later, but the Age of Horcoth coming forward. And so this is a time that she was preparing for the whole time. And even though she's dead, it's still her time to make sure that they get through this, you know. Yeah. And that that is, I agree, that gave me chills during mm. that part there, you know. And and just seeing how, how they rise up to the occasion and, and will eventually join forces. You know, even uh, uh, speaking of that, where when He-Man's forging his new sword and you've got those shots there of Grayskull basically working through him, you know, he after he finds the forge and he's, he's using the hammer, but you got the shot of King Grayskull behind him. And you yeah. can see He-Man's just zoned out, and he's just doing what he needs to do. And then that awesome page where all the word balloons are doubled because it's got uh, He-Man talking, and then it's, like, mirrored with that gold speech bubbles where King Grayskull's talking. And it actually reminds me of something that you had said before about how... Yep, that one there. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's it's... And it's actually King Grayskull reaching out through the forge, through the fires of destiny, and talking to He-Man through himself. And he's basically saying that, like, I I helped you forge this, I showed you how, but it was all you, it was your desire. This weapon, you, you've made it even more powerful by embracing your destiny. And I know that's something that we've talked about before, 
that this is Adam's destiny, but he has to choose it. So the sword of power was already powerful, but Adam remaking it into uh, what they call the sword of eternity from now on, it it made it, it amplified it because Adam's taking the power of Grayskull and he's making it his own. And basically King Grayskull's just saying, he, you know, all this power can be yours should you choose to invoke it. Should you choose to pay the price? Choose, yeah. youth. And Adam just, without hesitation, holds that sword aloft. And like Sean showed, by the power of Grayskull, I have the power. And he changes into a new outfit, which, eh. But, uh, but just the, the whole theme of Adam, like, taking on the power and saying, yes. You know, this isn't just me holding a sword aloft and becoming another guy. This is me really becoming Eternia's hero. I am. Adam is. Secret identity's gone. It's just, it's me and the power, and this is my destiny. Yeah, that's, it. like, uh, there's a lot of people out there that they're not into the generational He-Man. They're not into a lot of that aspect of things that classic was and uh, I'm the not. classic sign was yeah I'm i know one of those and, <laughs> and i'm i'm one of those people where i don't necessarily view it as each warrior picked up the sword and they're just going and becoming the new he-man i mean i that's kind of the way that the bios are worded but my canon doesn't work like that either right. but for the people that aren't fans of king grayskull to me this is where I maybe this is how I got that idea. I like the idea that King Grayskull is like, oh, the, I hated that about the episode for him. Number one, I hated <laughs> the whole the power was in you all the time because that was stupid. No. I don't care who says it's a great episode. That moment was just stupid and it fell flat. And it was basically the equivalent. Uh, my reaction to that was the same as when in episode one they said. Darth Vader had no father. I burst out laughing in the theater because I'm like, oh, he's face Jesus. This is great, you know? And in the case of, of that, it's like I hated the whole – it was in you all the time. And I'm one of those people who I think Grayskull works in the way where he got the ball rolling to right. what Adam needs it to be in this particular moment. And it's the whole destiny aspect of things. He was the one to at least – the sword, he, 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 in here he forged the sword, and right. the sword's been passed down throughout the ages and stuff. And then, boom, Adam gets what he needs from it because it's the power of Grayskull and all that stuff. But I, this works for me so much better. And, yeah. and the thing is, again, I can't help it. I'm calling back to freaking Transformers the movie on this, <laughs> too, because it's the whole – the minute him – him, uh, you know, forging his own sword or his own take on the sword and everything like that. It, it always hits me with that arise, Rodimus Pride moment, yeah. and it, you know, it's the now light our darkest hour, and That's you know, I exactly. have the power and everything. And you know, I'm not a big fan of the new look for him, but yeah. I'm not going to lie. That moment leading up to that part, it made me just go, I don't care. It's still cool. <laughs> Just for that moment, it actually works for me in a way because it's like, you know, even even the look of He-Man is derivative of King Grayskull because of how they designed him on the cartoon and they designed the character. So it's like now we're finally having him just stepping out and having different battle armor and he's accessing the power in a different way to, for himself to be able to do this and rise to the occasion. And, you know, it's like th this is the good kind of hero stuff that, these characters are made for this. 
Yeah, yeah. there you go. <laughs> I forgot the cover, yeah. Yeah. Like I said, it's, it's not the greatest armor. I like I like what they do with it eventually um, when they blast off the top part and rework it. But, mm-hmm. yeah, no, it's all about the symbolism there. It's all about, you know, and that's exactly what they did with this, and I'm sure we'll get to that King Grayskull issue eventually here because they do go back to that, and that's basically it. It's the power of Grayskull lies in the Forge of Destiny, uh, Fires of Destiny down below there, and the swords that are forged there harness that power and grant it to the wielder. So that works for me. I'm fine with King Grayskull making the sword of power. You know, I'm just not okay with King Grayskull being a He-Man carbon copy, which in this series, he is not. He is very much... No. He is, he's, he's an arrogant man, a stupid man, and but a very powerful man. He is... He's the barbarian, which might be yeah. where I got my idea for him to be, you know, take on the role of the barbarian, you know, from as well, because that's what he is in this. He's just, he's, he was a guy who, who saved a world, became a king and was kind of like, I don't know what to do now. I got all this power and I don't know what to do with it. And it's yeah. all culminating here where Adam is taking the steps to finally to finally take control of it rather than mm-hmm. just be a conduit. Um, well, and that's I think it speaks to the character of Grayskull where, you know, for him it's like you said his rise is a whole different way than with Adam. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's got the family around him. He's got his right. friends around him and all that and it's like Grayskull I felt like he was somebody that he was like even in the episode uh for 2000X he does have that loner kind of quality. Yep. He has a certain amount of people that are close to him and everything else is just kind of, you know, very surface level. So, you know, it, it, for, for what happens to him, it's like, yes, there is this moment where he's surprised and, and, and that's his undoing, but it's sort of like, yeah, but look at the way you probably knew them, you know? Right. And, and, and it's like, if, if this was the other, the other way where it was Adam in that position, and if it was Tila or somebody, it would never have happened because there's no. no freaking way that that bond is too strong for Grayskull. It was like I said, it's surface level. Like you're saying, he's he's not that guy in any way, shape or form. So no. that's how you differentiate them really nicely as characters in this. Exactly. Um, so probably. Hordak. Um, go there. So Hordak is kind of teased throughout here, uh, but he really comes to the forefront towards uh, issue 5 and issue 6. I actually liked this take on Hordak. Mm-hmm. I, li- I mean, I know there were a lot of people upset when it came out because they felt Hordak didn't look anything like Hordak, but I really think he does. He, but I mean, he he looks like Hordak hooked up to like a Matrix machine, and yeah. that's basically what it is. That's what they say. He died. He died after fighting with King Grayskull, and he has spent all this time rebuilding himself and rebuilding his body. Yeah. So it works for me here, where he's all, you know, hooked up, and he's got all these these wires coming off of him and. 
and everything. But really, you look at that face, and like that's Hordak. He's he's regrowing mm-hmm. everything, but he's Hordak. The face, the hands, everything. And we will see coming up here. He does actually fully be reborn, and I think that's very much in line with Hordak. It's. I mean, Secret of the Sword, going back there, because obviously that's the parallel here. His weapon in that ran off the willpower of rebels. Like, he would Mm -hmm. stick these guys in a machine, drain all their willpower, and pump it into his his magnet beam transporter. So basically, that's what you have here. You see him when when they show him on Ethereum in the Fright Zone. He's got all these corpses around him that are he's he's sucking their life force dry to create his new body and so he's hooked up to all the machinery he's got all these rebels and warriors i know not in this one but in one of the series coming up you'll see some familiar faces in those walls and it really works for me it worked when it came out it still worked for me rereading it's like Yes, it's the same thing. It's like, okay, this is how you take Hordak up a notch to me. This yeah. is this is this is taking Secret of the Sword and just bumping it to the next level and going, how did this guy survive this long? And he didn't. He's just sucking all these bodies dry to rebuild himself. Yeah, and I like that. That is a good way to explain the merging of here's this because they, they go there how many times yeah. in just this story arc where where somebody says he's a vampire-like being, and like you said, Tila at one point yeah. says he's been around for thousands, maybe millions of years. He was a, he was before humanity. Right. And there's something spooky about that from my perspective. Like the idea, this is an ancient evil. Yep, there he is. Yeah. In all of his Geiger-esque glory, the way yeah. that they have him in this. Or Giger, I should say. Sorry, I always called him H.R. Uh, Geiger, but it's Giger. Is um, it really? That's it is, yeah. And it, it, it really <laughs> bummed me out. It was like when I found out Alcala was not how I've been saying it all along. I always did the Alcala. And yeah. then uh, good old Val on Roast Google had to go and say, it's Alcala, people. And yeah. now I'm like retraining my own brain. But uh, yeah, I like the idea that he is something there there is something about the the hero's journey and he-man is one of those heroes where he should be going up against the most primal evil yes. that has ever existed in the cosmos and it's masters of the universe so it can sprawl whatever part of the universe this evil comes from but Eternia is going to be right there in their target because Eternia controls all of creation the way right. that they're setting it up in these in these uh, stories and and even the uh, the movie the center of the universe the, the you know right there between the light and the dark um, <laughs> and and uh, what I love about it is yeah I like that it showed that was that was the damage he took to take down Grayskull mm-hmm. and he you know he's he's like rebuilding all of these years later and all that stuff but what's really creepy to me then is he still has people that are flocking to his banner. Right. He's still able to to put his like tendrils out there and the cancerousness of the horde out there into the cosmos and have these people rallying. 
So they're turning him into somebody that it's like he's not only just like a Dracula, but he also reminds me of something that like Lovecraft would have written about, you know. And so like on a whole bunch of levels, there is this really primal feeling of this ain't your childhood Hordak anymore. Because when when I remember seeing the Horde, I just looked at him as, well, they were this kind of like motley crew of monsters, you know. But now they're turning him into these ancient evil things. And I mean – uh, it's like, you know, th- this is giving you a good reason why Skeletor and He-Man team up against this guy when you right. think of how evil this really is. And plus, I love that they went into it and did the whole Keldor and Keldor having to go to Hordak and all that. And they they, they sum that up in this pretty nicely, too, in a in a little um, yeah. flashback moment. So it's like, you know, you're getting your, your Skeletor angle and why he would have his beef with Hordak. You're getting your attorney and He-Man level and all that. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, the other thing, too, like we, you mentioned, I mean, he turns Grayskull in the freaking Fright Zone. Yes. I mean, that's never happened. So we're witnessing cool things that have never happened in the mythology or any yep. story up to this point. And we're seeing some moments where it's like, okay, now what? You know, like I, if I was He-Man and I saw Grayskull get demolished and turned into a, a, the Fright Zone, I'd be like, I don't. And they even have a moment where he's like, I don't know what to do next. And uh, Randor was like, well, you have the sword at least. It's like, yeah, well, I can use it as a conduit. But how are we supposed to fight this? And it's like, this is what should be happening in these stories. And I like right. it. I love it so much that they don't have all the answers anymore. And I, I do love the way they use the Fright Zones in here, because it's the same thing. It's like, so the Fright Zone is basically the the technology, but they, they basically plant it into the, the planet, and it just starts sucking the resources dry. And mm-hmm. they take all the life of the planet. It's basically the Plundor storyline, really. They take all the, the essence of the planet, and they send that back to Horde World, you know, to Hordeck, and they just leave all these dead husks of planets everywhere that they they overrun, they strip it of mm-hmm. all the nutrients, and they leave. And mm-hmm. it's it just like this swarm of locusts that just completely annihilate. And, and basically any piece that's left over that he can fashion into a Horde Trooper, he does. He'll take the beaten, the broken, he'll either suck the life out of it for himself, or he'll make it into these these monstrous horde troopers in this. I mean, there's some machines, there's some that are these demon creatures. Uh, Hordak's an equal opportunity employer. He, well, he yeah. <laughs> and, and that was something like when I was a kid, I know my mom had a big problem with finding out like in the mini comics, Hordak was doing experiments on people that, yeah. got, that gave her the creeps. And yeah. she kind of, yeah, she drew the line on some characters. Like she didn't let me get um, drag store, and she didn't let me get <laughs> some of these guys. Where she All was right. like, "No, no, no, no!" Like I, I, I read that comic to you, and I know what he did to that poor guy. You know, so she's like, "I don't want to get you the character because then it makes me think you're playing with this tormented." And it's like, you know, it's like going all the way back to the beginning of the line. I had to freaking convince her to let me buy a character (laughs) that had a sword, a shield and an axe. And it's like, you know, but I gave up at that point because He-Man was my boy and I wasn't worried about drag store. But, you know, like I like that that is only a hint of what he's doing now in this book like that. That's great where it's like 
you know, it, well, we knew him to be somebody that would dabble in things and all that kind of stuff. But now it's like he doesn't just dabble in things. He just rips the crap out of everything, takes what he wants. He can dabble then afterwards. And yeah, all he's, that. And, he's still uh, doing it's, all that, all the mind yep. control, all the experimentation. Yep. This is very much the horde. I mean, this is what yep. they're known for. It was toned down in the 80s. Yep. But this this was written for us as, you know, young adults at this point or some older adults in yeah. people's cases. Yeah, um, well. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, another thing, too, and uh, going to that, and I think this will be the last thing I say about Hordak, is I love that he he doesn't even worry about names. He just says meat throughout yeah. everything. It's Everything to him is meat. Everything is to be consumed. And the moment that you have Adora finally, like he's, he calls her Despara and she goes, Adora. And he's yeah. just kind of like the, oh, you're going to go by that now? Well, now right. you're meat. Yeah, I love that. You he are. just basically, yep. the switch was, he, he, he hit the, the, or he flipped the switch there. And suddenly all that daughter and everything else that he was using to constantly make her kowtow to him, that's like, pfft. We're done. You're meat, just like everything else out there. And I love that moment because, man, does it show the disposability that he has to everything in order to make himself the biggest and the most ultimate there is out there. Yeah, and he's and his whole thing is he he doesn't even care at this point because she's done what he wanted to. His whole thing was just that he was going to get back at King Grayskull. By forcing one of his bloodline into service to the Horde. So mm-hmm. at this point he goes, he goes, well, I don't care because you already gave the planet to me. You've tarnished your ancestor's legacy. Your ancestor fought to keep me away from this world, to banish yeah. me, to save the planet. And you have just undone all of that in an afternoon. And I don't even care about you anymore because I've used you for what I wanted. Yep. And it's leading, I love it. It's all leading up to even more so than any other continuity where Adora and She-Ra exist. In this series, when she finally says, for the honor of Grayskull, it really means something because she's sitting here with all of Eternia's fate on her shoulders, everything evil she's done for the Horde, she has completely destroyed her ancestor's legacy by turning Eternia over to Hordak. So when she finally, you know, a, a few arcs down the road, picks up that sword and says, for the honor of Grayskull, by God, she means, for the honor of my ancestor, I am going to make this right. Yep. I'm going to restore his legacy. Yeah, that that was that was such a good revisionist way of handling how to tell this tale. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I don't mean revisionist in that, you know, they're trying to erase the secret of the sword and everything. But when yeah. you look at the way they're telling this tale. As a kid, when I was watching Secret of the Sword, it's like, yeah, it's horrible that baby Adora gets taken to right. Etheria and all this stuff and the kidnapping and, and uh, you know, obviously not a good a good thing on any level. But why did he do it? Like in that right. movie, they didn't really get into anything past. Well, they the you know the horde invaded and they stole a baby and they right. ran away with it. 
And then that baby became, you know, like one of the horde and they brainwashed her. But right. the idea now that he fought Grayskull mm-hmm. and Grayskull took his body from him from the, the amount of, you know, in, yep. it, pain inflicted during that battle and everything. And then to have it be, I'm aiming at somebody in your bloodline in order to do that. That is such a chilling way of having him take revenge. And like you said, it, I mean, to this day, I still get chills when I see the moment when He-Man falls down, when the Magna Beam sucks all oh, of yeah. the power from him. And you know, my brother, and she does the, the transformation. It still gets me. It right. still gets me. Oh, absolutely. But, that moment, though, is intensified so much more because when you see the journey she has to go through to get to the point where that sword is now – she's worthy of even wielding that sword. And she's becoming a champion instead of becoming you know, a conduit of evil and a conduit of conquering everything. It's like, yeah. Like, right. If that was in a movie, I would either have chills or I'd be bawling like a ugly crying because I'd be like, yeah. this is so freaking cool. Like, she's going to go out there and kick some ass now, you know. Um, so I, I love that they did that. I love that they, they planted that little seed in the history of it. And it makes it so much more of a shocker when Grayskull becomes like the, the fright zone. It's like. He won yeah. on every level. Like you said, he, oh, he's got everything he wanted here, and it all lined up for him the way it, it took him how many years, you know, right. hundreds of thousands of years, like they were saying. But he finally got what he wanted out of the deal. So well, that's, that's he nuts. Had, he had the time. He had the time to yeah. play the long game. He had time to prepare, come up with the perfect plan, and – and just strike without mercy. And they even said that they were waiting for an opportunity for their most powerful uh, sorcerer to be gone, which was Skeletor, actually. Yeah. <laughs> they were, they originally, originally when I read it, I was thinking they meant the sorceress, but then they, they I forget what it, the line exactly, but they allude to it actually being Skeletor. It's like, mm-hmm. well, yeah, that makes sense. Like you said, this is the guy so evil that He-Man Skeletor would team up against him. So, yeah. They waited, I mean, Hordak just sitting there, just watching Eternity. I like that. I like that in this, that Hordak sitting there watching Eternity. Rather than just, you know, being banished and just forgetting about Eternity, he's actually been sitting there all this time just, like, watching, going, oh, not yet, not yet, not yet, now. Yeah. Now is the time. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's, it's very, very well done. Uh, for that, for that, it's like I said, like you said, Secret of the Sword holds a, a special place in my heart. Uh, that's coming up here. Actually, it's coming up pretty soon. And uh, but this has the this has the opportunity to tell that long story because the thing about Secret of the Sword is at the end of these five episodes, we have to have a Shira series to launch off of here. So we yeah. can't take, you know, half a season to get a door ready to become good. We have to move it along. So. Yeah. One of the biggest failing points of that movie, even when I was a kid was the moment when Adam comes back to the rebel camp and there's Adora, and everybody knows Adora is the force captain. 
And she's like, and now I'm throwing in with you guys. And everybody just cheers. And as a kid, I'm like, why? Why would you even think that's a good thing right now? Like she should be – they should quarantine her off. They should have (laughs) all this stuff going on to to see where her allegiance lies, find out if she has any kind of – you know, like if she has any kind of connection somehow yep. to Shadow Weaver or to the Horde, there should have been a whole bunch of things. And I felt like that was just forgiven so quickly. And I, I get it. They needed to move the story along. Right. But out of everything, that was one of the biggest missteps in that story. And this story is what I was waiting for the entire time because it's like, yeah, she's got to go through some stuff before she gets that sword in this one. So. Absolutely. Um. I think I hit about all my points. Uh, you got anything else? Um, I'm trying to think here. I I like the flavor of the story in that, like I said, I feel like this is going to be similar to what we're going to get with Revelation. So it was it was fun to come back to this. I read this maybe two years ago, so it's been a little while since I've even sat right. down to read it. And there is that feeling of it's it's everything that you remember, but it's somehow just not quite the way that you remember it. I hope they don't do the banter though um, on the, on Revelation. Not like, I'm not, not gonna like lie. This at least, this is yeah. Just... The, 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 there's definitely some moments, um, but I mean, I'm not a big fan of the new battle armor on He Man. Uh, I'll just admit it. It depends who draws it. Because yeah, that's there's... a big difference too. When when uh, Pop Man does it, I'm gonna. Uh, even though I met him and he was very kind to me, I'm not a huge fan of how he drew it. But then this this other guy comes up in the Justice League arc that they do later, Dexter Soy. Yeah, and I actually dig the way he did it. He has a different take on it. It's it's the same armor, but I don't know. There's something about the way he did it that works better for me. Um, but yeah, it, it's really it's fun to see these elements coming together so quickly in this, the, these issues to, you know, like build upon something that we already know and, and love, which is secret of the sword to create like a, a new way of looking at how Shira could be reintroduced or introduced or however you want to put it. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I like this. I, 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 again, I would recommend this to people who want to read um, the comics from DC, even over multiverse. Yeah. I would probably go to this first and be like, oh, okay, if you like filmation or you like 2000X, this is going to kind of give you the best of both worlds because I feel like this is the missing third season we didn't get even. I feel like they probably would have gone to some of these levels with Hordak and with uh, how they might have... I don't think they would have done the Dispara. That, I think that's too... 2000X would have been too early. But not I think, like this, but I think they would have yeah, made her a little more evil than she was. I, I think they would have made the storyline a lot more intense than they did in Filmation. Because they did get pretty intense at points even on that show. So. Yeah. But, um, yeah. I, I'm enjoying going back to this one. I, I'm looking forward to doing the next arc. So, yeah, I agree. And well, one other thing I want to point out real quick is it, it just was nice that it seemed like they started doing their homework too, because that first miniseries was pretty much just like, here's like a desert, here's a forest, here's a water, you know, and here <laughs> they're actually like 
pulling out, you know, at the end of all this, they end up assembling at Point Dread, you know, and they actually use the Talon Fighter to get there, and you got the Outpost, like, your, like Toy, and, you know, mm-hmm. Grayskull, and Eternos, and, like, you know, even the Horde, even the Horde Fright Zone is on Etheria, you know, it was nice that they actually, like, used locations in this and little nods like i said especially towards the end of the series you know Kadra and modulok show up at the end of a panel and and it just the little things like that that make you go okay maybe they're actually paying attention now and doing a little bit of research to get some of this stuff right you know yep so uh yeah, yeah. It, it feels like home somewhat i'd it does. say it, fe- it feels like it's it's at least based in the universe that we know and love. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's a well done story. It's action packed. It it flies through. Like I said, the banter between uh, He Man and Tila is god awful in some spots, but stick with it. Um, and I think a lot of that is is honestly, that's what happens when you lose a secret identity. It's it's where Atila is now not respecting He-Man like like she would like with the secret identity intact none of that banter between He-Man and Tila takes place because she's viewing him as He-Man now she's viewing him as Adam even Randor has a bit of that too where you know if if it was just him thinking it's just He-Man Randor wouldn't have been as you know you must do this you must do that but now that he knows he's his son, it kind of takes that down a little bit, in my, in my opinion. I I agree with that, and I'm somebody who I'm a little more liberal about the identity stuff, and I I I see the point of you know the the dual identity serves a purpose with storytelling and some of that, but then there is a part of me that goes it serves its purpose in a certain point of that story. But then once you hit a certain other point down the road, if you let the characters grow and become something else, there is going to need to be that point where other people are let in on it, whether or not like, cause Tila be okay. The sorceress is dead. So Tila is eventually going to find this out one way or the other. Although right. I, I think it probably would have been better if she didn't know it in the beginning of this, to then when she adopts the sorceress aspect, then it would have been a huge, yes. holy crap, you know, instead. Now and so I that see. story yep. point can't really happen quite that way and be as effective. Um, and yeah, there is something funny about, you know, Randor would have looked at He-Man as a hero and right. now he's grounding him. Right. And exactly. That, That's what that moment like... was a little funny, you know, like, <laughs> and now I, it's like it, it almost reminded me of like Glimmer in the new Netflix show where mm-hmm. you know like her and her mom are having the fight and then she's grounded and then she's trying to sneak out and they did the same thing here where right. he was like, no it's my decree you're not going to go after Teela that he, Adam Adam and uh, or he man as and Adam as you yeah. want to call him and and a cringer there he's like hey do you want to go break a rule let's go do this right. <laughs> and it's like oh so we're doing that now. No, I I do agree with that. I think it would have been more impactful for his secret to come out during this story arc if they could have kept it intact. Like you said, once Tila takes on the mantle of Sorceress, mm-hmm. then, and because, honestly, once she takes on the mantle of Sorceress in the series, she is a lot better of a character 
It gives mm-hmm. her that balance that she needed, and it makes her a, a more likable character. Yeah. Um, and honestly, I think I think even even uh, if Randor had found out, like in the heat of battle here, like one of these horde battles, and Adam just has to transform in front of him, I think that would have mm-hmm. been So yeah. It's, it's little things like that that nitpick at you, but uh, definitely start here. Read it through. Uh, you can skip the Justice League if you want. There's, I mean, it's not completely necessary, and I know some people have a hard time with that one, just picturing Batman and Superman in the same universe as He-Man. Uh, although I, I actually quite enjoyed the series myself. Mm-hmm. But definitely the Mount Zor stuff that that directly follows this. From here on out, guys, it only gets better in my opinion. Each story adds a little bit more, and you get more into the world that you remember. Yeah, and this this story this story goes a long way. If I wanted to tell somebody how I'd like to see a new take on Masters, this is where I'd point to because it it is taking itself seriously. Yes, it has those those uh, dialogue jabs, mm. but the the actual the threat is real. When you see the threat, uh, it, Hordak and the Horde, you're seeing something mm. where I love that every single heroic warrior just flat out is like we're in over our heads, we're outnumbered, right. we're outgunned, and even even He-Man who normally like filmation He-Man, the minute he'd show up, you got that sense of well, he's got something, you know, like one way or the other. Right. He-Man being here is giving me a sense of safeness and a calmness because he's going to win. And here I like that there's moments where Adam's looking around going like, I don't think I'm enough to do this right now. No. Like, I, he, you know, and he, he's, he's doing the best he can. And I love that they actually are making the stakes so high that even our hero is doubting his capabilities mm-hmm. and his 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 power even. But I, one thing I I, uh, I did like, even though you're not a big fan of the dual identity <laughs> being known, I did like that in the first issue there is that moment when the Horde first uh, materializes and they're all yeah. just coming in and, and stuff. And, and um, we actually have the cameo of Decker, which is cool, too. Oh, and yeah. we have Decker and Man-at-Arms and he, Adam's like, you know, you know, go and do what you can and, you know, hold down the line and this and that. And he runs up and he, he goes to the roof and he does by the power of Grayskull and all that. And then Teela shows up and he's like, what? And she goes, well, you know, I know that whole I have the power bit. There's a lot of energy flying around and all that stuff. And it kind of I know for you that probably drove you nuts. But for me, it made it go you can see it. It's not some sort of a thing where the, it, the, the question has been out there. Is it something that Adam sees in his mind when he's doing the transformation or is it a legit thing that boom? And I know we've had uh, a couple of episodes where, yeah, it is a given that people can see the explosion when it happens, yes, there is but I did like that enough. little moment. Yes. Yes. There's but, not the uh, whole and, and ca- castle backdrop and everything, no, but there no, is a, yeah. It, it, it like into the abyss yeah. and everything, if I remember. Yeah, and um, and there's been a couple others, but I did like the she even referenced that. So anybody yeah. who had the question of is this something that legitimately, it's a physical thing that happens, or is it like a psychological thing? No, it just boom. It's like right. it, wherever he is, it's gonna be fried probably if he has to do More it. More of a Shazam type of shazam. yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know. So, Only cooler theme song. 
Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I, I actually didn't mind that part. It, it made sense. Uh, I was just pointing out that I think it could have solved a lot of problems if you just waited a little longer. And I, I honestly agree. There is a point where the secret needs to come out. Mm-hmm. Absolutely there is, because otherwise the story is just going to get stale. You know, definitely. Iris has to find out that Barry's the Flash. Lois has to finally reco- uncover that Clark Superman. You yep. know, it's it's just it how it's how it goes. It's the nature of things. I guess the big problem with the miniseries was it took a lot of this stuff and front loaded it. Yeah. Like, well, if you start from there, then what do you have to play for? And mm-hmm. that's, and that's. I said it before, I'll say it again, that's one of the biggest misconceptions and one of the biggest marketing failures, in my opinion, is that they didn't make it known that all this was leading to the end game. It was leading to the Ragnarok. This is the final days of Eternia. And once it was over, looking back, you can go, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. But at the time, all you were told was, here's a new miniseries. And then you tune into the miniseries and a bunch of stuff's on its head. You know, and a lot of irreparable damage is done, like Adam's Secret coming out. Or go turn in evil, you know. And then it's like, okay, and now there's an ongoing. And it turns out to be them losing everything in the first arc. And because there's no mention that, yeah, this is building to this this big finale. So I, I put that on DC and Mattel. They should have, if they had marketed it better, where it's, you know, they had done a better job of framing it as, okay, this is the end of days storyline. I think it could have mm-hmm. helped a lot of people at the beginning of the series, which might've helped stronger sales throughout the series, but that's just my, well, that yeah no i i agree with that completely because when i first found out about the mini series that leads into this and it's oh everybody has amnesia mm-hmm. i didn't even buy it i yeah. me being a he-man fan like i i am i'm somebody that if you tell me it's going to have a comic series i'm very picky and choosy about that because if it's going to focus on a story that I have no interest in, there's a 99% chance I'm not going to even worry about it. Okay. Amnesia, I hate storylines like that to begin with. <laughs> it drives me up the wall because if I know who that character is and they can't figure it out, I'm always just it, – it's it's like fingernails on a chalkboard for me to go <laughs> through it 99% of the time. And then on top of that, you know, like it, it would have been nice for them to start here and maybe the sorceress was still in play. Maybe right. we would have had the, the secret identity doesn't come out. And it would have been, like like you're saying, that would have been a huge moment in this series where it, they're on the battlefield, they're getting overwhelmed or something. Adam can't get away to do the, the hidden, you know, the hidden transformation. And it, it's like if he did the transformation in the heat of the battle, mm-hmm. he could probably knock out 25 yep. feet around him, all these troops or something. And finally it happens and Tila and everyone else are just looking at him and it could have been this whole, you know, right within the masters. Do we trust him? He's right. hidden this from us for how long that could have been a nice undercurrent of a story too. here. It's just it a, well, it's Adam, you know, right. and it's, it's just a throwaway thing, but it could have been really amazing. It's like, you know, 
here's Adam hiding this from us. And then on top of that, here's a sister attacking us. And it's like, you know, that would have put a nice little divide into the characters who just, it's a given they're the heroes, but who do yeah. you trust in these moments? Especially when your world's coming to an end like that. I mean, absolutely. I almost want to remaster this one, not out of spite, <laughs> but out of the fact that I think it could have been actually this, this I'm, I'm getting kind of like, Ooh, I got chills thinking of even that moment. Like, what, what could we do yeah. with more, you know? But. No, I mean, it, it, defi- it definitely could have improved still. And it will, in my opinion. Mm. Um, but it, it, it's a good start. It was a start where, after reading through this first six issues, this first story arc, I'm going, okay, I'm back in. What happens yeah. next? You know, so... Uh, but for all that, um, I'm probably going to have to actually only go a 6 out of 10 on this one. Um, it just, it, it's only slightly above average. Because uh, if you haven't noticed, a lot of what I'm saying pays off later in the series. So just judging this story arc on its own, I'm going to go a 6 out of 10. It's, ma- it, it's masterful art. Uh, it, it's got some good upgrades. But I just can't get past some of that cringy dialogue. Eh, I'm gonna do eight out of ten because Boom. this is okay. the story. Well, this is the story I've been wanting. Like yeah. this is the Adora tale that I had been. I uh, it, like ever since I was a kid. I always was like, it's got to be a lot different than that. It just drove me nuts. Going like, okay, they just accept her, and that's yeah. it. Like I said, I that drove me nuts. So here we have. Adora has to go through the paces and we get to see I love the Despara stuff. That's that's something in and of itself that I love that whole aspect. The whole He-Man, you know, Adam is He-Man going in and reforging his version of the power sword, even though I'm not a huge fan of the design of that power sword. But it's the idea that he's owning it now. It's his and all that. And and even like the whole the the stakes against the heroes, the the overall menace of Hordak and the Horde and the, the fright zones and everything. I mean, this is the tale that if I was a kid and I had the classics figures, this is what I would have been telling. And I'm not yeah. saying I would have done it better, but this is the kind of stuff that I would have been like invested in playing oh, when absolutely. I was a kid and, and even to this day. So it's given me a lot of what I will always wanted to see, and I didn't realize I was going to get it in this right. uh, this series after the amnesia BS that we <laughs> had to start everything off. And and yes, I agree too. The the artwork, uh, I love what Pop Man does. It, mm-hmm. There's a little inconsistencies here and there, but for the most yeah. part, with everything that you see him having to draw on a page, sometimes oh, yeah. and and like that two panel or the I'm sorry, the two page spread where uh, you get to see the attack on the palace mm-hmm. and, and He-Man's falling, trying to save Teela. Teela's already saved, but you see all yeah. of the, the, the battle in front of them. Like, oh, yeah. yeah, you know, like, I'll forgive them some inconsistencies if you see the epicness of what is happening with these characters. And uh, yeah, eight out of 10 for me. I'll, the dialogue definitely takes it down a couple notches for me, though. Yeah, the cringy banter. Cringy so. banter. Get away from yeah. it. Yeah. Any any time that they use Fisto in a bad way, it just makes me go. You don't need to talk like that. No, we don't. Yeah. We don't do that here. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't even a good joke. It didn't even make sense. No. It was. It was just like really. You had to take a pot shot. No one takes pot yeah. shots at Fisto. 
Well, even I, I, I mean, I got to give Mechanex some credit in that yeah. too because I, I felt bad that they were giving him so much crap. Tila was the one mostly giving him crap, mm. but then I liked it to go in and try to save her. Mechanek and He-Man were the only two to do it. I was like, yeah. cred. That was so cool. And it was because he stepped on him while he was trying to get out of camp. That He's like, who sleeps in between tents? Yeah. It's like me. I don't like being in enclosed spaces. But I'm like, that works. I like it. So yeah. It's a, it's a yeah. good time. It's a very good time. Yeah. I highly suggest you guys uh, check it out if you haven't already. Uh, you, can find the, you can find lots pretty cheap on eBay. Um Check your local comic shop. Mine, I managed mm-hmm. to pick because I was buying them all Comicsology at the time because I, uh, you know, personal reasons. But uh, I picked up a lot of these in the dollar bin at my local comic shop. They'll pop up from time mm-hmm. to time. So, uh, check well, them out. Com- Comicsology even a really quick way to do it if you don't, you know, if you can't find them all in one place. The omnibus, like what I was reading it in. I yeah. mean, that's. It's a little chunk of change, but you're going to get a whole lot out of that, too. Oh, so. yeah. There's, a ton there's, of a, there's definitely some good options on how to read it and get the full story. Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah. I think, I, you know, no remastering today. Sorry, guys. We'll get back to it next week. Uh, and then for September, we got some treats in store for you guys. So stay tuned with us here. Uh, it's going to be a good it's going to be a good month. Uh, Matt has been doing the work. I'm trying. <laughs> Got a cu- couple more to nail down, but it's it's going to be a fun month. So, uh, but until then, please, guys, like, share, subscribe, ring that bell so you know when a new episode goes on. Hit the heart. Hit the star. Hit whatever thing is there. Yeah, and. Uh, <laughs> Thanks for always supporting us, guys. It's been a blast. Leave a comment down below. Let us know what you're thinking. I'm sure one of us will reply to you. Uh, And until next time. Until next time.